This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This is Knowledge at Wharton, and you're listening to Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Recently, the wireless emergency alert system for Hawaii went off and sent thousands of people for cover. The system, which was put into existence a few years ago, is designed to reach uh, the smartphones of people in a particular area and warn them of impending trouble. As we now know, this was an error by the operator who has since been reassigned. But this focuses us again on the system and its needs, as well as the need of citizens to have faith that is being run properly. This also, uh, you may have heard, occurred in Japan as well a couple of days ago. To discuss the issues behind these errors, we are joined on the phone by Jeanette Sutton, who is a director of the Risk and Disaster Communication Center at the University of Kentucky. And also joining us is Hamilton Bean, associate professor in the Department of Communication at the University of Colorado at Denver. Jeanette Hamilton, great to have you both with us. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you both. I find it interesting, Jeanette, of this happening, and obviously we're in such a a connected world that obviously the the idea behind the system, I think, is a phenomenal one to be able to reach as many people as it does uh, because of our use of smartphones. But that being said, these are issues that definitely need to be addressed moving forward. They absolutely are. We saw with the with the alert that was sent out that um, there are some some problems that really need to be addressed that were identified immediately um, as uh, people were responding to the alert and um, taking protective action as they were re- recommended to do. But then finding out, um, well, not so shortly thereafter that the alert was it was incorrect and it should not have ever been sent. So we do have some problems that we need to look at. Hamilton. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that the uh, the response from the emergency managers after the fact really highlighted the need that that the uh, the, the design of the system, the interface, uh, could use a little work. If, apparently, from what I've read in press reports, that the test message and the actual message are right next to each other yeah. in that interface, and also uh, one person being able to uh, make that determination that the message should be sent out. I understand the need for being timely with these alerts, but uh, we want to make sure that accurate information is being sent. So they they said that uh, they're going to probably have a protocol now where a second person is going to take a look at that before it goes out. So I think that those are good improvement. Well, I think Hamilton in part is also when you go through the reporting is the fact that not only were the the test and the actual message basically right next to one another in terms of the alert, you also had a kind of a fail safe in that there was from what I understand and are you are you sure you want to send this message as well, which was also connected. Yeah, I, I, you know, so some of the technical aspects of the system, I'm not entirely sure what is being presented to the operator, but definitely with uh, these uh, authorized alert uh, originators, uh, they need to make sure that these interfaces are appropriately configured and that um, people are, are able to, uh, you know, take a step back before they hit that send button and really see, you know, what is it that's going to be uh, launched out there to the public. What do you think, Jeanette, uh, specifically in your work in, in disaster communication, what are some of the things that really in your mind need to be addressed uh, in moving forward with this and, and whether it, it be in the system itself or with the connectivity with the with the consumer with the with the public in general well I suspect that um, they're already taking care of some of those system design issues that Hamilton was highlighting um, because there was such a, a public outcry for addressing those issues that 
Um, I'm honestly really quite concerned about the legitimacy and the perceptions that people will have of the emergency management agency and the state in terms of um, how confident they can be in future messages that come from that organization. And there's going to be a, a real need for reestablishing their credibility for any alert in the future so that people can trust that the information that they're receiving is accurate and um, that they can take action immediately in times where that immediate action is absolutely warranted without looking for additional information. The additional, the information seeking that occurs following an alert um, is a routine thing that we do. However, in in this particular case where the, a, a, a warning for a missile launch, they had one opportunity to get that right, um, where people were acting on it really quickly. And now that the credibility of the message is has declined, the, the future opportunities to get people to act immediately, I think that that's been reduced quite a bit. So the, the state is going to have to work on um, rebuilding its credibility with the public. But, but to a degree, this also gives us the opportunity to really look at this system as a whole throughout the country, because even though this happened in, in Hawaii, these are systems that are in place uh, in every state uh, across the uh, across the U.S., and there's a variety of other instances where these are used uh, because of, of various, uh, uh, you know, storm-related issues where people are, are sent out messages, other concerns uh, that might be going on as well. This gives us a, a chance to do a total uh, uh, re-dive, a deeper dive into this. Yes. I, I agree. Um, and, you know, there, I think Hamilton mentioned that there is the alert operators, which are at the local level, and they've been um, authorized to write their own messages for different kinds of threats and hazards. However, at the level of weather events, which is much more typical across the United States, those are launched by the National Weather Service, and they have, um, have been working on improving their messaging strategies um, over time since the WIA system has been built. Hamilton? Yeah, Dan, I wanted to build on something Jeanette said here. Um, you know, with these false alarms, uh, we have some pretty good social science research data that shows that if you tell people why a false alarm occurred, uh, assure them of the steps that you're taking so that you're going to prevent that false alarm in the future, that they're pretty, they're pretty forgiving and that they will pay attention to the alert the next time. But the problem comes when you don't tell people why the false alarm occurred or you don't uh, give them um, you know, a reassurance that it's not going to happen again. Happen again. And um, there's some research that shows that if you, know, if you frequently send false alarms, yes, people will uh, definitely stop paying attention. But in you know what I've seen from some of the reporting, there is a silver lining to this, which is that people see just how unprepared they are for this kind of emergency, and they will take some steps to be better prepared for the next time. So false alarms, uh, yes, they can decrease trust in the system, but if you explain to people what happened, uh, they can be pretty forgiving, and they can also take some steps to protect themselves. So there is a silver lining there. But I would I would guess that the, to a degree there's a, a, a bit of a greater concern, Hamilton, when you're talking about a place like Hawaii, where you have so many visitors. Not only do you have the, the citizens that are living there, but you have so many visitors that are may not be you know used to where they need to go how they need to be able to protect themselves in that particular location as well 
Absolutely. And, and this gets to the context, right? We have in Hawaii a plausible missile threat, right? I think Hawaiians, uh, they just tested their warning sirens uh, across the state for the first time in over 30 years. Um, they're getting messages on TV to get inside, stay inside in the event of a missile attack. So for, for people living in Hawaii, this had a different context. And you did see a lot of press reports. Visitors really didn't know what to do. And this gets to Jeanette's point about what kinds of information are included in those messages. Now, we were part of a research team that looked at expanding these messages from the 90 characters uh, that are used and th this message that went out to Hawaiians on Saturday. This was a 90-character message. Yeah. You know, our, our research had shown that those messages are pretty you know, fear-inducing, confusing. They don't give people enough information to know how to protect themselves. And so we encouraged uh, folks to expand those messages. And in 2016, the FCC did approve an expansion of those messages from 90 to 360 characters, but it looks like the folks in Hawaii were still using the 90-character uh, format. But I, I guess, Jeanette, also, and, and I'm sure this is another piece that's really being looked at by a lot of the people that are kind of looking at the redo on this, uh, of that time frame, of that window of 38 minutes between when the first announcement was sent out, that first text was sent out, to when the, the recall was actually sent out. Yes. Um, my understanding from what I've been reading in the news is that um, they've already been working on uh, creating a strategy for putting out um, recall messages or an all-clear kind of a message, and that that wasn't already built into the system. Um, and those uh, all-clear messages are really important for people um, in any threat uh, situation um, to know that they can stop taking the protective action that they're taking or to know to remain sheltered in place or evacuated. Um, and so the design of the system um, in Hawaii is shifting, and I think that that could also be built into other systems across the country. Go ahead, Hamilton. Yeah, Dan, I just also wanted to mention it. It looks like Hawaii is one of the handful of states where there's only one authorized alert originator for, uh, for wireless emergency alert messages. And so there was no other agency that could sort of step in and say, hey, it looks like you all sent a, a false alarm. Let us go ahead and send out a message uh, clarifying that. So they were waiting a long time, and apparently there's some controversy whether they were allowed to send that, that second message or not. Uh, FEMA came back and said, no, they have the ability to send it. Um, so I think we'll, we'll hear more about that um, later on as people look into the, uh, the situation. But... Um, what's interesting, and I think also what Jeanette might might be able to speak to, given her research expertise, is you saw people taking to other channels. Uh, so when, yeah. when it became clear that, no, this was a false alarm, you had people on Twitter, uh, officials, uh, state representatives saying, hey, no, this is a false alarm. And that message seemed to uh, spread pretty quickly and reduce a lot of the fear and anxiety that people were having. So, um, but yeah, you're, you know, the, 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 the delay in the, the second we have message that went out, wireless alert, emergency alert message, you know, that was an awful long time to be uh, waiting in fear. And, and that's obviously another piece is, Jeanette, when you talk about what we have used as, as alert systems in the past, whether it be uh, via television or via radio, uh, even though the smartphone is such a powerful device, these are still tools that can be used very effectively moving forward as a complement to uh, to what uh, you would be used in a, in a text alert type of situation. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, we, we started to have access to social media um, in the mid-2005, you know, 2006, as the, the um, computer-based social media system started to transition to the smarter phones. And now we have 
all these applications that makes it possible for us to share information and also to receive information wirelessly from wherever we're located. And it is a great complementary service. Um, and oftentimes people will use um, Twitter to find out what's breaking information and use Facebook to check in and say what's happening with them. Um, and they, they hold a great deal of potential for us. And um, we've seen that in disasters in the last 12 years or so, this continuous use and improvement on how to use these different technologies. But they are not without problems as well, um, especially with the information overload and um, that it's sometimes difficult to actually find the most timely information because the algorithms that are utilized by these different social media platforms right. reorganizes information based upon how they want it presented to you. And so that provides a real challenge for people who are looking for something that is the most up-to-date and the most most useful. And then they also have to do their own assessment of what information is going to be credible in this sea of information that's coming at them very, very quickly. Right. And, and that goes back, Hamilton, to what you said about the, in, at least in, in this part of it, in terms of the, the message that is being sent out via the text alert, you have, you want to be able to pr- uh, provide a precise uh, effective message as to what is happening, you know, what the expectations are in, in the near term and how people should react to this. Absolutely. I mean, so our research really confirms this over and over again. You need to tell people about the hazard and you need to tell them what they need to do to protect themselves. Can't really do that in 90 characters. And so, as I said before, the FCC has uh, agreed to an expansion of these messages. They're looking right now, I think uh, they just issued a new rulemaking where they're going to incorporate multimedia uh, links, hyperlinks to additional and confirming information, telephone numbers in some cases, um, pictures, images, maps, things like that. So. You know, they call these wireless emergency alerts, but the fact is that these, these work like more like messages, warning messages, and you can, you know, tell people more than just to turn on the TV or check media. You can tell them the steps they need to take to protect themselves, and that's going to, you know, help them respond in a timely way. Instead of searching around, milling around, looking for additional and confirming information, they're going to get the information they need and protect themselves right away. Jeanette? Well, I think that Hamilton's absolutely right. With the new proposed changes, it does serve serve as more of a warning in terms of providing information about what people should do and the actions they should take. Um, The 90-character limitation made it so that these WIAs were more of an alert, really. Um, It just kind of alerted people that something was happening. And, in fact, the message contents generally said, check local media. And so it was really directing people to look for more information um, and with the longer messages, there is this increased potential for sh- giving a more complete message so that people will know what actions to take rather than having to search for additional information. That being said, the message that went out um, for the uh, missile uh, was actually gave protective actions and it told people to take shelter. So in that 90 characters, it was able to give a lot of information um, and in general, from what I've seen so far, it sounds like people acted on it pretty quickly. So it certainly triggered the protective actions that people wanted them to take. Uh, Hamilton, that that ninety character limit. How do you know off the top uh, how that was decided as, as that being kind of the, the the ballpark number that they wanted to go to? Well, I think as the you know the desist. The system was originally designed uh, a few years ago now, and I think at the time that was a kind of negotiated, uh, you know, compromise between what uh, officials needed and what uh, the wireless industry uh, w- was 
suggested would be able to be sent without you know creating uh, undue congestion on the networks. Right. Um, but you know, subsequently, uh, you know, technology's improved, and the, that 90 character limit really isn't uh, the constraint that it used to be. Um, you know, one thing that I think it's really important to acknowledge here in the case of Hawaii is, you know, we have it's actually like a giant experiment. What happens when you send a message like this of an incoming ballistic missile to an entire state? What happens? Yeah. And I know a lot of the reporting around. Uh, the issue has been oh mass panic, but what you which you, if you think of panic in terms of like people trying to like you know uh, crawl over each other to escape like like a, an enclosed area or um, driving recklessly you know trying to to flee a, a, an area of danger you don't you, we didn't see that really at all I didn't see quite any reporting. Um, on things that would be considered panic. You saw intense amounts of fear. Uh, people were terrified. Yeah. Some people didn't know exactly what, how to take shelter. I saw a lot of reports of you know, tourists gathering in the lobbies of hotels. Um, but I think it's really important to acknowledge that, uh, you know, aside from a, you know, people you know, pulling over on the side of the road, um, you know, leaving their cars on the highway to get under overpasses and things like that. Uh, I even saw some images of school children running for shelter, but you didn't see the kinds of panic that I think, um, you know, we would imagine when you read that word. It was actually um, a pretty orderly, uh, you know, following of instructions in this case. What? So, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish up. No, I just was going to say I wanted to commend the Hawaiians on yeah. on their response. Well, and, and I guess if there's if there's one state in, in the U.S. that you know obviously from a historical perspective has had to have a, a preparedness type of system, it is Hawaii, uh, considering of what uh, that state went through during World War II. Absolutely, and as I said, you know, this is one of the states where a, uh, a missile threat is is plausible, where they're they're turning on the warning sirens that haven't been used since the Cold War. They're putting on, um, you know, messages on TV on how to protect uh, yourself in the event of a missile attack. And so, um, I imagine I, it would be difficult for me to imagine a more fear-inducing message than the one that Hawaiians got on Saturday. Well, and I guess also the fact that, uh, from what I understand, this happened in Japan as well, and, and Japan obviously a lot closer to North Korea than than Hawaii is, but still, uh, I guess this is not just Hamilton an issue to look uh, at the United States, but I'm sure that governments around the world uh, are, you know, could very well take a look at whatever their preparedness system is so that they are ready for whatever eventuality they may end up having to endure. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, this this case has probably prompted a lot of emergency managers, both in the U.S. and abroad, to look at, okay, uh, how are our systems configured? Who can send out these messages? Do we have two people taking a look at it before it goes out? Um, is the, the interface, uh, you know, designed appropriately? I think this is a good, you know, time for emergency managers managers to take a look at these technologies. Uh, they, they've been rolled out rather quickly, and and uh, with any technological system, you know, you need to, to look at where things can be uh, improved, and so this is a good time for folks to be doing that. Jeanette, Jeanette outside of the, of the potential increasing of the length of these messages, what are the other things that, that you need, you think really need to be looked at moving forward with these types of messages being sent out to, to a variety of locations? Um. Well, the, the content of the message giving some additional information about the effective protective actions that people can take um, so that if you have tourists who don't know what shelter in place means, you actually give them some more concrete guidance for what kind of structure to look for and how to actually get themselves into that place um, so that they are in a place of safety. 
Um, but, you know, one of the things that has been highlighted with other events um, recently and the use or lack of use of we as, as um, the ability to more, more um, succinctly geo-target the locations that are under threat, um, and that's been an ongoing conversation um, among emergency managers and users of the wireless emergency alert system since since it began. Um, and I, with the changing or the the recommendations to to um, the FCC from the FCC for changes um, to the system, it includes changing the ability to uh, geotarget more narrowly so that um, a the only those who are at truth truly at threat and at risk would receive those messages which could increase the use of WIAs in um, threat situations by emergency managers in the future and it could also improve the response because it wouldn't be overwarning larger areas and populations that aren't at risk Hamilton yeah, another one of the FCC recommendations, and this was also driven a lot by uh, response from emergency managers, is is notifying people in multiple language languages, yeah. especially in a place like Hawaii, where you got a lot of foreign tourists, you got a lot of people who speak different languages, alerting folks not only in English but also in Japanese, in uh, you know Tagalog and other languages would be very helpful in a case like this in the future. Well, and I guess the the question then becomes, how do you have that play out from from the perspective of reaching all those different types of communities with all the different languages? It, you know, it's a, it that's a that's a tough technological issue. One of the things I think that emergency managers are looking at, and that the FCC is looking at, is is uh, hyperlinks to additional information in multiple languages, and so right. you have all this. Uh, information on how to protect yourself in the event of a, of a nuclear device or a, a, a you know a ballistic missile attack, you have that those that information sort of uh, pre-programmed into um, you know different websites and such, and you can put hyperlinks in these wireless emergency alert messages so that people can click on that and find the information in the language that they can read. Uh, great having you both with us today, Hamilton. Thank you very much for your time, Jeanette. Thank you as well. Greatly appreciate your time. All the best to you. Thanks a lot. Thank you both. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.